Hello and welcome to the second episode of Raising Hazelnut. Uh, If you guys have managed to catch episode one, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Today we're going to be discussing what it was like uh, to bring home a baby on oxygen. Um, There is a lot that goes into that in terms of prep work beforehand and there's a lot that goes into that as new parents as well. Um, But I wanted to talk more today about kind of what that looks like from a parent's perspective and the things that we experienced having a baby home on oxygen in terms of uh, the perceptions of other people, the comments that we had to deal with, um, the adjustments we needed to make within our home. I know that uh, bringing a baby home on oxygen can be such a daunting task and there are probably lots of other parents out there who are listening to this who are about to bring their babies home on oxygen or who have already brought their babies home on oxygen or who have maybe done so in the past and remember what that's like or maybe you're here just to listen and learn and um, better understand what that feels like for a parent. So Uh, Without further ado, let's dive in. After delivering our daughter four months prematurely, I learned how imperative it is to feel validated in this journey, to feel heard and understood, and how we all need to hear stories of strength, fear, hope, and celebration. Together, we can share a space where we will talk advocacy, special needs parenting, and just being a mom in today's crazy but beautiful world. This is Raising Hazelnut. All right. Ah, where to begin? Um, so bringing a baby home on oxygen, um, it had so many layers to it. And For the longest time, I think that that was probably one of the most asked questions that I would receive on our Instagram page in terms of what that looked like for us and um, recommendations and suggestions and how we dealt with it and, and how long Hazel had to be on oxygen at home for. And so now that we're a couple years post-oxygen discharge, um, it's not a question we receive as often, um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't parents out there who are still bringing home their babies on oxygen. So this is an episode that I wanted to um, kind of kick off the podcast with. It wasn't the initial episode, but it is definitely one that I wanted to be right at the get-go Um, because I do think it's a topic that is not discussed enough, but that so many, um, NICU parents and not just NICU parents, but just, um, parents of children with complex needs. I guess most of those kids are probably coming home from the NICU, but, um, they, they they're in this world or have been in this world. So that is the reason behind, uh, choosing this as a topic as episode two. So what that looks like for parents before coming home from the NICU, at least for us, was we were told that the likelihood of Hazel coming home on oxygen was quite high. And we knew that she'd been intubated for a long time and she was still on respiratory support in the NICU as we were approaching our discharge home date. And so uh, we were set up with a company, a local company, 
And on that day, they came into our home, they delivered oxygen cylinders, um, three different sizes. We had already been given all of this tubing and nasal prongs and different kinds of adhesive to make sure that the nasal prongs stayed on her face. We were given a sign to put on our front door that said, um, you know, uh, basically a notification in case there was ever a house fire to let the first responders know that there were oxygen cylinders within the home. And it was a very surreal experience because you have this person in your home and they're explaining things to you and, and your baby's back in the NICU and you know that eventually your baby's going to be home very soon. Um, but this stranger's walking around your home setting up oxygen and for me that sign going up on my front door was a huge realization to how complex this could be and so once that was complete I remember going back to the NICU and asking my um, one of Hazel's nurses are we ready for this like I'm terrified how am I going to bring home a baby on oxygen and they assured us, they said, I know, I know it's daunting. I know it's scary. I know it's overwhelming, but I promise you by the time you bring Hazel home, you're going to feel like you've got this and you will, you'll be confident. You will have asked all the questions. You'll know what to do. You'll be set up for success. And so her nurses were amazing. Our whole experience in the NICU was overwhelmingly awesome. I know that sounds crazy since it's a neonatal intensive care unit, but the staff there really, really made sure that we were set up um, with confidence to care for Hazel. And they included us in rounds, they included us in cares. And so um, I did trust what they had to say in terms of what this was going to look like discharge. And so I just kind of let it go. And, and sure enough, by the time we brought Hazel home, I definitely felt far more confident than I expected to feel. So discharge day came and we said our goodbyes to the NICU. We'd already been set up with our oxygen, like I mentioned, but we were also sent home with a pulse oximeter, which is, for those of you not familiar, it's a, basically a little sticker that went on Hazel's toe, her big toe, and it would read the oxygen saturations within her blood. So this machine was set up with parameters that would alarm when her oxygen saturations dipped below a certain um, number that they deemed safe for Hazel. And in that case, we would just bump up her oxygen a little bit and make sure that her oxygen saturation levels continued to stay within the healthy range. So on our drive home, we got Hazel into the car. We had her hooked up to this pulse oximeter. I sat in the back with her and we made the journey home. It was about an hour and 20 minutes to get home. And so when we walked in the door, it was crazy. I remember thinking like, I can't believe we are home. Six months have passed since I delivered Hazel and we're home. And so then began this whole new journey and that journey included having a baby at home with oxygen.
And so here we find ourselves at home with our six-month-old baby. And I mean, gosh, she was only at the time a little over four pounds. And it was absolutely exactly as the nurses had said. We felt confident. There was a little bit of uncertainty, just more so wondering what our days were going to look like, what our evenings were going to look like. Um, Hazel was such a little monkey and she would always desat, which means, um, de- like, so her, when her oxygen saturations would go low, that was called a desat, a desaturation. And so she always tended to desat at night. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're never going to sleep between getting up every two hours because she was still so tiny. We were feeding her every two hours. So between getting up every two hours for feeds, I thought for sure her alarms would be going off. And honestly, it was pretty normal. Um, She actually didn't desat as much as we expected her to. We were able to get some sleep after the first couple nights, of course, um, in between those two-hour feeds. But we did have one specific night. And we were taught, and for those of you bringing your babies home on oxygen, I do hope that your doctors and your nurses tell you this because I think that this is so important. And this is not medical advice by any means. This is just what we were told and something that we have been continued to be told for the duration of time Hazel was on oxygen. And even now still when she gets a cold or she gets sick, it's something we look for. But yes, the numbers on her pulse oximeter were important, but what was more important was watching Hazel and looking to see what she looked like. She could tell us far more than a pulse oximeter could. We would look for the color of her lips, the color of her skin. We would look for retraction in her chest, which just means that if she's, if there's more working to breathe. Um, and so this night in particular, the alarm went off, woke me up, you know, and occasionally it would go off when it would just dip like one below what the parameter was set to and it would bring herself back up. But this night in particular, she wasn't bringing herself back up. And I looked and her number on the pulse oximeter said 64, which, I mean, we should all be sitting as close to 100 as possible for oxygen saturations. And I think that Hazel had her pulse oximeter parameter, like the lowest setting I think was set to 89 or 88, somewhere around there. Um, And so 64 was low and... I sat and watched for a moment, waiting for it to come back up, and it didn't. It was just staying there, and I looked at Hazel. I turned on the lights, and my heart was just in my chest. I thought, oh, my gosh, we're going to have to call 911. But I looked at Hazel, and she was fine. She was pink. Her lips were pink. She was breathing well. Um, So I took her pulse oximeter off, put it back on, and suddenly it was reading fine. And so I think we just ended up with a glitch um, in the pulse oximeter, but it was definitely, um, kind of the first moment since coming home that had really brought me back to the NICU and had me feeling significantly scared, I would say. Um, and for the next couple nights I didn't sleep. I was paranoid. I was constantly watching her pulse oximeter, but eventually we eased back into our comfort levels 
Hazel's oxygen continued to remain stable and we just kind of went about our days at that point. But I was tired. Um, you know, we just finished dealing with a six month long NICU journey and now we had a baby home and I think any parent can relate to what those early days at home feel like um and for us it was no different just because Hazel was six months old did not mean that she wasn't still a newborn she by her corrected age would have only been two months old if she'd been born on time and she was still very new to taking feeds by mouth. Um, we'd just gotten rid of her feeding tube when we came home from the NICU. We were getting into a groove of bottle feeds and still trying to learn to nurse and um, also being woken up by a pulse oximeter. It was wild. Um, so I was tired. And Eventually, I realized that we had to get into a better routine during the day because what I found, and this is something that I've heard from so many parents who've reached out, is how to move about your home when your baby's on oxygen. And for Hazel, her flow on her oxygen level, the, the setting that it was set to on her cylinder, was so low that we couldn't have... Um, an extended length of tubing and so she had to remain fairly close to her oxygen cylinder and Hazel loved to be attached to me I loved wearing her either in a ring sling or um, a stretchy wrap it was something that I started to do with her in the NICU and she loved being close to me I loved having her close and it allowed me to keep my hands free and the issue with that was that I was then myself feeling like I was attached to a, an oxygen cylinder. And so my husband and I came up with a, a plan. We went and purchased a small little backpack, you know, like the day packs that you get for hiking. It was just big enough to fit our smallest cylinder of oxygen. And so when we spoke to the respiratory therapist that was um, basically assisting us in our home oxygen program. Like I said before, I don't know if you remember, we had been delivered three different sizes of oxygen and the plan was for the biggest one to be used at home and the smaller ones would be then used, the medium size and the smaller ones would be used for outings. But the large one just didn't work. It was heavy, it was bothersome, it was annoying to have around. And so we changed our order and we basically did away with the big ones. We would only get one large one that we would hook Hazel up to at night when she was sleeping. And the re remainder of the time we used smaller cylinders. And the smallest cylinder actually fit into one of these little day packs, like day hiking backpacks perfectly and so I would wear hazel on my chest and I would wear the oxygen cylinder on my back and it worked it was difficult in the summer because it was hot as hell um but it worked and it worked for me it worked for my husband 
and it just allowed us to function in a more, for lack of a better word, a more normal way. So Hazel came home at the beginning of May, and so we had our first summer with her at home, and she was still on oxygen. And it was during that time that we actually made the decision not to be held back anymore. We had spent her first six months of life in a hospital, and we wanted her to have a sense of normalcy. And I worked for the airline at the time, and so we hopped on a plane and we took Hazel to Montreal while she was on oxygen. And it was a very strange experience. And this is, again, another question that comes up all the time is, can you travel with your baby on oxygen and what that looks like and suggestions and recommendations? And we cleared it first with our pediatrician. So that's always the first thing I suggest is definitely make sure that you talk to your pediatrician, your respirologist, whoever it is that is following your baby. Um, they can better decide with you whether it's safe for you to do so or not. And so we cleared it with our, we didn't have a respirologist, but we cleared it with our pediatrician. We agreed that it was safe to do so. And it was definitely a lot more work than you can imagine. Um, but we made it work and we had this amazing trip with Hazel and we literally just spent a couple days just wandering the streets of Montreal, eating good food, sitting out in the sun. And I think it was so good for the three of us. But for me as a mom to finally just feel like life was normal. And it's interesting now looking back, you know, to us, Hazel looked so healthy. She had come so far and she had come so far. But we were so blind to um, how sick she looked still. I mean, she had some um, issues going on with her litter, liver from being um, on TPN, which was her nutrition, for so long. Um, and so her skin was kind of off-colored. And we look back now, and I can understand where the looks and stares and comments came from, which takes me to my next topic of this episode and that is how we dealt with people's reactions out in public. So Hazel's first few days at home we just relished being at home with nowhere to go and nowhere to be and we had family come and um, for some family this was the first time they'd been able to hold her and we just really kind of hunkered down in our house and didn't leave we just enjoyed having hazel home with us after six long months of being in the NICU um, and after the first few days we decided to take hazel for a walk I had her in my stretchy wrap with the oxygen cylinder on my back and it was sunny and it was just beautiful. It was so nice to get out and breathe the fresh air and again, do those things that feel normal for a parent. And I really encourage you, if you are a parent who 
um, is bringing home your baby on oxygen to just try not to let fear get in the way of doing those things that you would have done or would have wanted to do if your baby had been born on time without any complex needs. Um, I really encourage you to do it because there's something so empowering about doing those things and knowing that you have the strength and the confidence to do so. Um, I think that that is so crucial to our mental health as parents of NICU babies. And so after that first week, my husband went back to work after being off for a week when Hazel came home. And I worked up the nerve to take Hazel to the grocery store with me. It was our first outing somewhere that was not a medical appointment. And that was not just being outside for a walk and my first time taking her on my own. And the cashier that I had, she made these comments that I just... They're things that always stayed with me and... She would look at Hazel and say, oh, is she a preemie? And, you know, the conversation kind of unfolded. And the comment that she said was, don't worry, she'll look normal eventually. And I remember just being like floored. Like I even still, I struggled to even find the words to express to you guys what that felt like, how much it caught me off guard. Um... She continued to say, you know, in terms of the, her look, she has that preemie look. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, we thought she looked so healthy. And I look back now and yes, she absolutely had that preemie look to her. But it was such a condescending, insulting and inappropriate thing to say. And unfortunately, that was just the beginning. So... We then later in the summer went to this outing um, at kind of a historical site that's nearby and we're walking by. I have to share this story because, you know, we're discussing comments and stares and glares and the way you're treated in public. And this is one that's there aside from the cashier who also made comments every time I went through her till. And so I actually stopped. started avoiding going through her till still to this day I will not go to her till even if she's the only cashier on I will wait until another cashier comes on which is probably super passive aggressive of me I probably should just speak to the manager but quite honestly so much time has passed now that I've just let it I, I let it go I'm not going to go down that road but this particular time um at this site that we were at we're walking by and I think Hazel was in her stroller. I don't think that she was in her carrier this time. And there was these like four senior women and this one woman sees us walk by and she just shouts, what on earth is that baby hooked up to? And I was so caught off guard. Um, I thought that that was pretty self-explanatory oxygen prongs on your face. Like, obviously, it's oxygen. And second of all, why is it any of your business? Um, 
but I just answered, she's on oxygen. And my brother-in-law was there, and he actually, later when I told him what this woman had said, he had this funny rebuttal and had said, oh, you should have told her that it's helium, and it's really quite funny when she cries. Um, But I guess my point of sharing this is you're going to get comments. You think that people would never imagine to say some of the things that they say, but they do, and people will surprise you, or maybe not. Maybe it's not surprising to you, Um, but you're going to get comments, and um, even though I never did say anything like what my brother-in-law had suggested, um, it gave me a good laugh, and it made me realize that the comments, the stares, the um, way you feel when you're out in public with your baby who's on oxygen, when you feel like all eyes are on you, it's something you just have to let go. Um, I got to a point where I stopped noticing and people would make comments and I wouldn't explain. I, I realized that I did not owe anybody an explanation, that it was nobody's business but ours what was happening with our baby. And if I chose to share that, then that was my choice. But it was not their decision to make in terms of how much information they were to receive about our situation. And the other thing that I quickly realized was that we had to have a sense of humor. And, you know, the little comments that we think of in our head that we might, or we maybe we do say that out loud, but we might not say it out loud, Those are things that you have to hold on to and things that are so important to kind of just keep that dialogue open with yourself in terms of what you're comfortable sharing, what you're comfortable laughing about. So after five months, um, Hazel was discharged from oxygen, which was amazing. Um, and during that time, it was about, uh, I guess, two and a half, three months after she came home, she was readmitted into pediatrics for a week because she caught a respiratory virus, something that for you and I would just be a common cold for Hazel. It landed her back in the hospital for a week. And this is why you'll hear parents of children who have respiratory illnesses or who are former preemies or micro preemies, they will preach and they will shout it from the rooftops loud and clear all fall, all winter to stay away from their baby if you have even so much as a sore throat because a common cold can land their baby back in the hospital. And so for Hazel, she was very fortunate that she was able to get the support she needed during that week and come home and manage to fight the respiratory virus. Um, but she did require more oxygen support during that admission. And thankfully, when she came home, she came home on less oxygen than she'd been on prior to getting sick. So, you know, when they say two steps forward, one step back, or one step forward, two steps back, it is there's definitely validity in that. Um, and so after five months, we were able to discontinue her oxygen. And that brought a whole other 
level of adjusting. You would think that as a parent, I mean, that's that's what you want. That is your end game. That's your goal. It's what you're working towards. You are working with doctors and specialists and respirologists, respiratory therapists. You have this whole team to help your baby reach a point where they can be free of oxygen support. And so it was a huge celebration when we finally did away with it. But the adjustment for us came in a couple different ways. First was that Hazel no longer had prongs on her face. She didn't have tubing that went from cheek to cheek, around her ears and prongs up her nose. She didn't have little adhesive pads that kept those tubes stuck to her cheeks. And while we were so happy to be rid of them, and we love to see her beautiful face without them, as a parent whose child always had some kind of respiratory support on their face for like the past oh goodness, like what was it, 11 months? Um, It was a big adjustment to seeing her face with nothing on it. And it made me feel almost nostalgic, I guess, um, remembering her face with them. Because for me, that was my newborn baby. And I think every parent thinks back to their newborn and they miss those newborn days. And for me, that was no exception. Um, I would have rather not having gone through the NICU or Hazel having any special needs, complex needs, medical needs. Of course, I wish she had been born healthy and on time and without any complications, but she wasn't. And so that meant that her newborn days looked a little bit more different than those of others. And so even getting rid of those oxygen prongs, even still to this day, I look back fondly at photos of Hazel with her prongs because there's so many memories in those days. Um, The next adjustment came with bedtime. Um, We kept Hazel's pulse oximeter on for a long time after she was discontinued from oxygen because the paranoia was real. We were so terrified that she was going to desat at night. Um, for micro preemies, there is an increased risk of SIDS. Um, and especially for a micro preemie who's come home on oxygen, who has chronic lung disease, that risk was a real risk. And so, um, having that pulse oximeter gave us a little bit more of a peace of mind, I guess. so here we find ourselves today. Um, it has been a couple years now since Hazel has been off of oxygen, since I have had to worry about carrying oxygen cylinders on my back and dealing with pulse oximeters. But I hope that if you are a parent who is facing discharge home soon, and your baby's coming home on oxygen, or if you've just brought your baby home on oxygen, or if you're someone who knows somebody that is bringing their child home on oxygen, I hope that this provides a sense of 
reality and what that looks like. Um, and I hope that it gives you hope and I hope that it gives you some positivity on what life can look like at home. Um, like I said before, I think that the very, very key parts of bringing a baby home on oxygen is to allow yourself to live a normal life. Normal for you is going to look different than it might for other people. And that's okay, but do the things you want. Don't feel like you're being held back. Find a way to make it happen. Find a way to make it work. Your mental health will benefit so greatly from that. Um, and find it deep down in there, find that sense of humor, laugh at yourself, laugh at others quietly if you need to in their ridiculous comments, and educate. If you feel compelled, then educate people. For me, I felt compelled to educate people. People would say all the time, oh, she's so small, as if I didn't know. Um, and it really got under my skin, but I use it as an opportunity to educate somebody and not in a condescending way, but just simply, you know, the facts. I didn't need to share Hazel's story. I didn't need to share um, why she's small or why she's petite, but just find a way to educate. And I, I feel like it. there are so many ways that life can provide us an opportunity to bring people um, together more rather than separating them. And sometimes comments just come from a place of um unawareness or maybe ignorance but not necessarily in a cruel and unusual way it might just be that people are just ignorant to the fact and so i do encourage you to um like i said laugh live your life as normal as you feel comfortable with don't let others hold you back um and find ways to get into your groove and whatever that looks like for you, it's going to benefit you and your baby. So that is it for episode two of Raising Hazelnut. Thank you so much, you guys, for being here and for listening and for sharing our podcast with those around you. Um, I hope that this was educational for you and gives you some insight into uh, what it looks like having a baby home on oxygen. And if you're a parent with a baby on oxygen at home, I hope that this gives you hope. Thank you so much, so, so, so much for listening. And I look forward to sharing with you guys episode three next week. Bye for now. <music>